thing finally stepped closer to the opening. Just a bit farther, he mentally noted, and his patience would be rewarded. Tentatively, as if sensing an element in the forest was amiss, the animal edged westward. At last, Nate had an unobstructed view, and there stood a magnificent buck sporting a twelve-point rack. He held his breath and aimed between its eyes, which were locked on him, then squeezed the trigger. The rifle didn't fire. Baffled, Nate glanced down at his rifle to discover he had failed to cock it in his excitement. He hastily remedied the mistake and looked up to find the buck on the move. Alarmed that he was about to lose such choice meat, he discarded all caution and plunged into the underbrush in pursuit. The deer darted deeper into the timber. Nate ran at his top speed battering limbs aside with his arms and making enough noise to spook an entire herd of buffalo. He came to the opening and paused to survey the forest. Elation coursed through him when he spied the black tail sixty feet away in the middle of a clearing, gazing over its shoulder in his direction, apparently more curious than afraid. Instantly he whipped the hawking up, took a fraction of a second to line up the shot, and squeezed the trigger. At the loud retort the buck started to turn, but the ball caught the animal in the left eye before it could take a stride. The impact jerked its head forward, and the animal stumbled to its knees, tottered, and fell on its right side. Nate was already running toward his prize. There was always the chance the deer might rise and bolt, and the last thing he wanted to do was chase the buck for miles and miles until it dropped for good. He drew his right pistol as he closed. When still fifteen feet away, he realized another shot wouldn't be necessary after all. A dark crimson pool formed a halo around the buck's head and antlers. A neat hole now existed where its left eyeball had been, and its tongue protruded from between its lips. Smiling in satisfaction as his marksmanship, Nate wedged the pistol under his belt and halted. He left his horse and the pack animal, several hundred yards to the north in a stand of pines, so his first priority should be to reclaim them before any wandering Indians came by. Pivoting, Nate hastened off. He returned to the bank of the stream and paused to enjoy a refreshing sip of cool water, then straightened and was about to continue when his oversight checked him in mid-step. Would he never learn? He grinned as he reloaded the hawkin wondering how long it would be before he automatically did so after every shot. Although he'd been on the frontier for almost five months, he still neglected on occasion to reload immediately. One day, he mentally noted, the mistake could cost him his life. From deep in the woods came the hoot of an owl. After replacing the ramrod, he trekked briskly northward, invigorated as much by the crisp mountain air as by his success at hunting. Feeling supremely happy, he began humming the tune to Home Sweet Home, a song written by John Howard Payne. A large yellow and black butterfly flew past his face. Nate gazed at the nearest peaks, thinking of his wife and the joy they had shared during the month and a half they'd been married. He'd learned more about women in that brief span than in all the years before the wedding. The thought made him laugh. How would he refer to a short Shoshone ceremony presided over by his wife's father as a wedding? All he'd done was promise to protect her, to treat her kindly, 
and to stay with her in good times and bad. And just like that, they were united in matrimony. Well, not quite. There had been a little matter of giving her father a horse. In effect, as he saw it, he'd bought her, and the idea still rankled him. He knew that many trappers bought Indian women for a season or longer. He also knew Indian warriors customarily offered horses and other valued possessions to the fathers of the brides-to-be. In his estimation, such a practice rated as a notch above outright slavery, and he disliked both. Winona didn't mind, though. That aspect of the practice amazed him. Indian women actually wanted to be purchased. They considered it to be a great honor. If a man wanted a woman for his wife and didn't offer to pay, she'd be insulted. Nate shook his head and chuckled. How strange.